On this first Sunday of 2022, let's go to the first psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm 1, uh, you can find that on page 843 in the Pew Bible. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is word of God. Thanks be to God. Slight mistake, but you know, it's a brand new year and you guys are more forgiving. Okay. Um, this might surprise you, but uh, I work out. Yep, that's right. I have a gym membership and I use it. I have a routine that I follow semi-strictly and I do not skip leg days. But at the same time, I'm not all that crazy about working out, right? Some of the people that I see at the gym, they're like, you know, all about it, but I'm not like that, you know? I just do the bare minimum. I clock in and clock out and I just go on with the rest of my day. And I do not do any heavy lifting. I don't bench press 225 or I don't need 60 pound dumbbells. I, I am comfortable with those 25, 25 pound dumbbells. On a good day, I might dabble with um, 30 pound ones, but that's about it, right? And you should know this. I do not, and I repeat, I do not drink protein shakes. I don't like the taste. I would rather go for the regular milkshake after my workout. But what is important to me is that I actually do work out because it makes me feel good, like I accomplished something. I get a sense of accomplishment out of working out. It makes me feel like I deserve that double sloppy egg cheeseburger from Murph's or that third slice of cheesecake for the day. <laughs> for me, working out is more than, it's, it's more than about my fitness. It's more about the state of mind. I don't care about looking like Superman, but I do care about feeling good about myself. In other words, I work out to feel happy. And I am not alone in this either, especially this time of year. We know that every time in January, every year in January, we are, when we go to gym, we're flooded with, you know, new members and returning members who have somehow made a health-related New Year's resolution, right? They're all there. They're all working out. Traditionally, most health-related New Year's resolutions were about the physical things like losing weight, getting back to my prime shape before my freshman 15 or before my pandemic 15. It was about running a half a marathon, but in recent years, it's becoming more and more about the emotional or psychological aspect of our health. 
It's becoming more about that state of mind. An article by The Atlantic suggests that people should make their New Year's resolutions more manageable, perhaps by lowering the expectation from 100 push-ups a day to just five so that you can feel happy about your accomplishments. On Friday, during our New Year's Eve service, Pastor Peter shared that in 2021, one of the hottest issues or hottest topic was uh, mental health. Of course, the pursuit of happiness is a huge part of that conversation. While people today are more active and intentional about their happiness, the pursuit of happiness is not anything new. In our nation's history, we can go back to the founding fathers. When they declared independence from the British government, they cited the pursuit of happiness as one of their reasons. I mean, when we look at the human history, we can go all the way back to the ancient philosophers and teachers like Plato and Confucius. They all defined happiness and talked about how we should pursue it. What we have in Psalm 1, in this wisdom psalm, is another ancient teacher speaking the words of wisdom on happiness. But since you all are careful readers of Scripture, you have probably noticed that the word happiness is not found in Psalm 1. It's not in our English translation, but it is in the Hebrew text. The opening word of Psalm 1 in Hebrew is ashrei. That word is usually translated as blessed, like in our NIV translation. That is a correct translation, but the basic definition of the word ashrei denotes a state of happiness. That's why in some, some English translations, like the new uh, Revised Standard Version, you will find that Psalm 1 begins with the phrase, happy is the one, rather than blessed is the one. I mean, we do this in English too, right? When we say, we, we say I'm so blessed, and we usually mean I am so happy about my current situation. Ashrei in Psalm 1 does the same exact thing. In Psalm 1, a person is blessed because he or she is happy. So Psalm 1 talks about happiness in, 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 in a twofold description. The first part is about what a person must avoid in order to be happy. Happy is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. In other words, happy is the one who avoids any association with evil. The second part of this wisdom talks about what a person should do to be happy. A happy person delights in the law of the Lord. The happy person immerses oneself in Scripture by meditating on it day and night. According to Psalm 1, the pursuit of happiness begins when a person avoids all evil, then immerses himself or herself in the Word of God. Interestingly, at the end of Psalm 1, once that pursuit is over and that happiness is found, that person is called righteous. See, the world of Psalm 1 is very black and white, and it only has two types of people, the righteous and the wicked. And, the, and then there's no casual dabbling 
There's no casual dabbling in, in the world of Psalm 1. You can only fully immerse yourself in one of these two things. The righteous are fully immersed in God's word, while the wicked are fully immersed in evil. As a result, the righteous find happiness and the wicked find destruction. Someone argues that a happy person is a righteous person. And it talks about the pursuit of happiness as if it's actually the pursuit of righteousness. But that is just one school of thought. And in our world today, we have countless views, different views on happiness. We can go back to Plato, who said, happiness springs from doing good and helping others. In Eastern philosophy, Confucius has given us a very poetic quote on happiness. This quote is actually yoga studio-worthy or yoga studio-worthy and grammable at the same time. He said, happiness is not at the top of the mountain, but in how to climb. But there are some, those are just some passive or optimistic views. Of course, we have some pessimistic views on happiness. In the movie Pursuit of Happiness, the protagonist, Will, I play by Will Smith, says, happiness is something that we can only pursue. Maybe we can actually never have it, no matter what. I get it, it's kind of dark, but at the same time, that's how many people today feel about happiness. To them, happiness is... I see a lot of children here. So, um, happiness is like a mythical creature that doesn't exist in our world today. There is a whole spectrum of different views on happiness, ranging from optimistic, slightly pessimistic, pessimistic, and extremely pessimistic. But the bottom line is that everyone wants to be happy. And in this nation that was founded for the pursuit of happiness, we have never lacked opinions on the pursuit of happiness. This week, I went on Amazon and just searched happiness books, just to see, just to see how many books were out there. It returned 80,000 books. And I filtered that with a four-star or above, and I got 60,000 books. And that's just Amazon. We have gurus and, you know, coaches. We have Instagram influencers, and we have TikTok influencers, and others who all claim to be the expert on this thing called the pursuit of happiness. Every year, we have new happiness trends with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They all say, do you want, would you like a happy new year in 2022? Then follow my instruction. You will have the happiest year of your life. Do a seven-minute exercise every day, they say, because seven is somehow the perfect number. Get outside more. Happiness is maximized at 57 degrees, they say. Move closer to work. A short commute is worth more than a big house, they say. Celebrate you. Spend money on yourself. And then we have other people saying, don't do that. Be a minimalist. Other people, some people say, hey, let's analyze our personal problems from 30,000 feet. And some people say, no, no, don't do that. Just focus on you. Focus on the good and your strength. Ignore the problems. We are surrounded by a plethora of different views and opinions on happiness. It's overwhelming and confusing. 
That's why Stan Mass says that we need someone. We need someone because it orients us, reorients us, our perspectives on happiness. Someone reminds us that the pursuit of happiness begins when we avoid all evil. It might seem a little harsh to call all these happiness trends evil, but they don't yield the fruits that they promise. They are deceiving, hence evil. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. They don't last, they don't work, they don't stand the test of time. I mean, if they did, people wouldn't be making New Year's resolutions every year. Psalm 1 is a timely reminder, the only reminder, the only true reminder that stands the test of time, that only the righteous will find happiness. So let's ask ourselves this question. When people come up to you and say, have a happy new year, what does that happiness look like to you? What does that look like? I know some of us might be thinking, like, I don't really think about anything. I just say the words, and I hear the words, and I just move on with the rest of my day. But if that's the case, let me ask you another question. As you plan for a happy year in, a 20, in, in 2022, what does that plan look like? Does that include seeking righteousness and immersing yourself in the Word of God? As Christians, we usually know what to do, what we need to do but it's easier said than done. Especially when people around us are following, you know, these experts and their expertise. I get it. We want to be part of that hype. It's tempting to be part of that hype. It's FOMO, fear of missing out. But in Psalm 1, happy is just one, singular. And then there is a multitude of others the wicked, sinners, and mockers. God warns us and reminds us that this journey, the pursuit of happiness, will be a lonely journey. It will feel like I am or my family is or this church is one of the few still following God and His happiness expertise. It's hard being part of a minority group. And I know a little bit about being a minority. When we are in the minority, we become gullible and are easily influenced by the majority. We are easily influenced and convinced by the majority opinion. In such a situation, what we need, what we need to stay on this course is assurance, something that makes us confident in that Psalm 1, the wisdom of Psalm 1 will actually lead us to happiness. When we seek righteousness by immersing ourselves in the Word of God, we will actually find happiness. We need that assurance. Surprisingly, that assurance is found, or actually this declaration of independence leads us to that assurance. Of course, it is the document that coined the phrase, the pursuit of happiness. Its famous preamble reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Did you hear that? Did you hear what this Declaration of Independence is actually saying? 
God gave us, all human beings, certain inherent and fundamental rights, including the pursuit of happiness, if God is the creator and the giver of the pursuit of happiness, shouldn't God be the expert on the pursuit of happiness? And if God is the expert on the pursuit of happiness, then shouldn't we follow his expertise on this topic? I mean, we don't build IKEA furniture with Lego instructions, so why should we pursue happiness differently? Especially when the instruction is right here telling us that happy is the one who seeks righteousness in God's word. Jesus echoes this echoes Psalm 1 in his Sermon on the Mount. The opening words of Psalm 1 reminds us of the Beatitudes, right? In Matthew 5, Beatitudes, of course, are the opening words of his Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. Scholars say that when Jesus spoke these words, he was actually thinking about the Hebrew word asherah, the one that we have in Psalm 1. So again, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, the blessed person is a happy person. So when we replace that word blessed with happy in the fourth attitude or fourth Beatitude, we get happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In the middle of his sermon, Jesus once again, in Matthew 6, talks about righteousness, seeking righteousness. He says, hey, don't worry about food or clothes or any other things that you think will make you happy. Instead, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first, and all these things will be given to you as well. Just like the tree planted by the streams of water in Psalm 1. When we seek righteousness by immersing ourselves in the word of God, God will enable us to enjoy the fruitfulness of life, including happiness. In a way, this Sermon on the Mount is a crash course on the topic happiness. Jesus starts the sermon by talking about happiness. Then he talks about righteousness, which is an important theme throughout the sermon. And he concludes this sermon in chapters, Matthew chapter 6 with a parable, with a famous parable of the wise and foolish builders. Everyone who follows God's words and immerses oneself in God's word and seeks righteousness, this person is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. No matter what comes its way, the house will stand and he will find happiness because the Lord watches over the way of righteous. Then we have a foolish one, right? Everyone who does not follow God's word is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The house will eventually fall with a great crash because the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount confirms the wisdom that we see in Psalm 1, that the pursuit of happiness begins when we seek righteousness by immersing ourselves in the Word of God. I don't usually make New Year's resolutions, but I made one last year. I wanted to revisit, reread all the books that I read years ago. 
not all the books, that's a lie, a few books, right? And one of, the, one of those books was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I'm sure you guys are familiar, many of you are familiar with Mere Christianity. Um, I read it in my early 20s and I instantly fell in love with it. A few years ago, my youth group in Michigan almost canceled me for saying that Mere Christianity was better than any of his Narnia books. I know. Um, anyways, I was rereading this book last year and found this quote that I didn't know existed before. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Only God can bring us true happiness. That's why the pursuit of happiness begins with full immersion in God's Word, because God reveals Himself through His Word. And John 1 points to Jesus Christ and says that that person right there is the Word of God. Then it must be the case that the pursuit of happiness begins when we seek righteousness in Jesus Christ, the Word of God, in our relationship with Him. And that's what God is calling us to do in Psalm 1. He calls us to find true happiness in His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you want a happy year in 2022? Better yet, do you want a happy life for the rest of your life? Psalm 1 says, try seeking righteousness. Try immersing yourself in the Word of God. No dabbling no casual dabbling, full immersion. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Then he was raised to life again to secure that relationship for us. So Jesus Christ, the word of God is still living, breathing, and speaking to us. When we are in Christ, the word of God becomes the living water that provides water to our trees. When we are in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, becomes the solid foundation on which our houses stand. When we are in Jesus Christ, the Word of the living God becomes the source of our true happiness. Let's go to God in prayer. God, you have offered us true happiness in Jesus. It's been right in front of us all along. But over and over, we have looked elsewhere, given our ears to other people, and followed the ways of the wicked. So we thank you for this reminder in Psalm 1. We thank you for reorienting our perspectives on happiness. Now cause this reminder to help us see the way that you see happiness. Help us to embody the wisdom of Psalm 1, that your son, your word is where true happiness is found. And as we immerse ourselves in the word of um, the word, your scripture, and in our relationship with Jesus Christ, speak to us. Speak to us the words of comfort, hope, peace, joy, and happiness. And speak to us loudly so that others may hear your words as well.
God, we are so happy and blessed today because we are forever found in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.